The following program is presented to you by the New York State School Boards Association. NISBA's President's Gavel Podcast is supported by the Harris Beach Educational Institution's team of attorneys. Harris Beach successfully represents more than 130 school districts and BOCES clients throughout New York State on matters involving school district operations, labor and employment matters, cybersecurity, and student issues. Learn more at www.harrisbeach.com. This past October, the President's Gavel was recorded live in Buffalo, New York, as a part of NISBA's annual convention and education expo. You're about to hear one of three interviews that took place on the expo floor. In this episode, we learn about artificial intelligence, what it is, what potential does this emerging technology have in education, and what does it mean for school boards and their districts. Stay with us. Let's call this meeting to order. Hello and welcome to NISBA's President's Gavel Podcast, a podcast for all school board members. I'm your host, Mark Snyder, Senior Leadership Development Manager at the New York State School Boards Association. And I'm excited to be recording live from NISBA's 2023 Annual Convention and Education Expo being held in Buffalo. And ready to discuss a topic that is on the minds of many that I've spoken to here at convention, artificial intelligence. Joining me for our AI conversation is my guest, Dr. Michael Doughty, NARIC Assistant Superintendent in Capital Region, BOCES. Please join me in welcoming Mike to the show. Hey, thanks, Mark. Glad to be here. Thank you. Now, Mike, AI is a topic that's being discussed everywhere. Recent strikes in Hollywood and our auto workers and beyond were based in part on the fear that AI will replace workers. Uh, walking around the expo floor, I took a very scientific and accurate survey of our members uh, and asked for their takes on AI, and the responses ranged from a useful resource to Skynet from the Terminator movies. Can you share some background on just what AI is and its application to and potential for K-12 education? Yeah, Mark, I think you nailed it. Thanks for having me. You got it. Somewhere between robot overlords and the best office assistant ever. That's what I'm hearing people <laughs> say. And, it, and it's interesting. And I think whenever we have big changes in technology, and if you think about probably most of the folks listening, and certainly you and I, for our lifetime, there have been really, we're in our fourth major technological shift. If you think first we had the internet, then mobile, then social, and now AI people are saying is the next big one. And you know, we did such a great job of navigating and regulating those first three that I'm completely confident that we'll do fine with AI. <laughs> yeah, no. Um, so I think, it, like any kind of change, I think this is an opportunity to anchor back to first principles. So when you're thinking about our mission as school districts and BOCES and what we're there to do, I think we need to hearken back to that. So I think any conversation around AI needs to be grounded in curriculum, instruction, and assessment first. Like, that's a big thing. And then the other piece of that uh, certainly revolves around ethics and, and legal. I kind of look at it like a three-legged stool. You have the curriculum, instruction, and assessment. You have the ethics and the legal piece. And then also the business productivity piece. So you said, you know, people are afraid that it's going to take jobs. Well, yeah, we will lose some jobs. It's just like we don't have, you know, 
little kids as pin setters anymore in bowling alleys, and we don't have people lighting gas lamps on the street. Those jobs went away, and that's okay, because then more jobs will come and different jobs will come as a result of it. So I think my, the biggest thing out of the box is, I think, to resist the temptation to have a knee-jerk reaction and enact some sort of policy that doesn't make a ton of sense. So if we're talking about curriculum and instruction, you have policies related to teaching and learning in the district. Anchor back to those. We're worried about kids cheating. I hate to break it to you, Mark, but kids cheat, <laughs> and they've been cheating forever, and the, maybe the take-home essay is done. Maybe it should be done. But this really is an opportunity to look at how how we approach teaching and learning and think about this tool in that context. I was a high school math teacher and we all thought graphing calculators were going to kill math instruction. And guess what? They didn't. They're a tool. So I think that that's a big piece of it. And, and really just using what we already have. So if, if we're worried about data privacy and security, we, we have policies, we have statutes, we have regulations related to that. If we're worried about cheating and kids using it improperly, we have codes of conduct for that. Like we have all these processes in place, which is why it's interesting to me that I'm seeing people say, well, what should our policy be? The policy should be, it's a tool, let's look at the existing structures we have in place and how this new tool integrates into that. Mm -hmm. And I love that you're, you're focused on the, at the policy level and thinking about policy, keeping us at the board level. Uh, given the fact that there, there is potential and there is opportunity in, uh, in AI, you know, what can a school board do to ensure equitable access to AI resources to students and to staff even? Mark, I'm glad you brought it up because access, access is a huge deal. Uh, when I think about it, you know, I, I pay the 20 bucks a month for chat GPT plus so that I don't get throttled down and I can ask it as much as I want, as fast as I want. And I can do that and I'm willing to pay for it for my daughter who's in grad school, which is great for us, but what about the people who don't have that kind of access? And I think that fits into an approach at school because it, it would be like if we banned the internet at school right? What, what does that do? Well, that, that's fine for kids who have high-speed access at home, but what about the ones who don't? So again, I think this is a tool. And I think back to even when the internet first came out, if you remember, you know, when it first happened, where was it? It was in the library. There was one, maybe two computers, and the librarian was right there teaching you how to search in Google, right? So I think that we need to think it, of it in those terms because I think you know to go off and, and go nuts and get crazy about how it's going to destroy everything. I think it's a little premature. Mm -hmm. But it's fantastic for movies. Oh, it's great for it's <laughs> Skynet all day. Terminator. Yep. <laughs> yes. Um, so at at the board level, for the board concern, we have uh, application and we have policy. We have access. Are there other implications for school boards as districts are now trying to navigate the waters of this new emerging technology? Yeah, I think, I think it's important for us to trust teachers and to trust their, their knowledge, their skills, especially related to content and pedagogy because our teachers know what to do and they know how to use new tools and how to integrate them into what they already do to hopefully enhance learning. And, and when I think about AI in particular, and you know, when people think about AI these days, it, you know, they're not thinking about the big context of AI. You know, there's AI in everything that we use. When Spotify makes playlist recommendations, that's AI. When our maps 
reroute us because there's an accident. That's AI. But when we're talking about it in an educational context right now, it's really around generative AI. So things like chat GPT that create something for you, a model that's been trained on a corpus of data and creates something. So if people understand that and that, that that's how these models are, are generating this text. And basically, I've heard some computer scientists describe it as fancy autocorrect that based on how the, the model has been changed, or, or I'm sorry, has been trained, that it will try to predict the next word in, in the whatever sentence it is or whatever you're asking it to do. And you know, just like teachers were able to integrate graphing calculators and spell checkers and word processing programs and grammar check and all those things, this is going to be another one of those tools that teachers will be able to use. And then I hope, you know, my hope for this is that it will help to level the playing field for students who might be struggling. So imagine having an all-knowing tutor that you can interact with and that will help you by explaining concepts or providing feedback back on a written assignment or giving you suggestions on a math problem that you're working on that can kind of be with you every step of the way. And I think that that's where the power is in this. And I think that's why we have to resist the temptation to freak out. Yeah. And it's safe to assume then that given the fact that AI is embedded in all of these different technologies already, that like it or not, we're already using AI. Uh, and so... What message would you have then for those who still fear this technology and believe we are on our way to replacing teachers or a la Skynet, creating our future robot overlords? Well, first of all, if you're worried about your job, you can go to a website called willrobotstakemyjob.com. That's a thing. And you go there, and when you go there, it shows you on the, the landing page the top uh, jobs that have been searched on that site. And it's great because the top jobs that are searched are teachers. So the teachers are on there checking to see if robots are going to take their jobs. And I think I looked it up and the, the likelihood that robots will take teachers' jobs is like 6%. Okay, So we're not worried about that piece of it. But I, I really think for anybody who's worried about it, I would say go play with it. Go, go on and you know, use your Google account, get, a, get, a, get on chat GPT, try it out. Because when you try it out, the first couple times you do it, it seems like magic. And you're like, how can it do this? How can it know all this stuff? And then the more you interact with it, the more you realize what it cannot do. Like it really, we are not replacing humans anytime soon in terms of you know, when you think about tone and you think about, uh, you know, trying to get a message across that, you know, the, the AI might generate something that might be a starting point for you, but ultimately it's going to, ha it, it sounds like you didn't do it, right? So it yeah. needs your voice. We're never going to replace the, the human voice as far as I'm concerned. Mm -hmm. So what recommendations would you have for anyone who'd like to learn more about AI? Yeah, I think there's a lot of things you can do. There's one author I would recommend. His name is Kevin Roos. R-O-O-S-E, and he's a New York Times columnist, and he wrote uh, a book about AI and machine learning that's a really great pr 
primer if you don't know much about it. That was one of the first things I read when I started going down the rabbit hole. And then he has a podcast. I listened to a couple podcasts about it. Um, you know, if you just do a search, there's all kinds of newsletters related to AI. So you can kind of go in whichever direction you want. There's a, a lot of ones where they'll send you newsletters where they talk about different tools or new tools that are using AI. And you're also starting to see plugins into existing AI structures. So like if you're in ChatGPT, there's an Instacart plugin and you can ask it for a recipe for a dinner party with all these, um, you know, prompts and you know limitations that you want to put on they're like I don't like fish and mushrooms so I put that in right and then I tell it you know create me the menu give me the recipes and give me a shopping list and if you have that Instacart plugin installed it does all that and then at the end it gives you a link to an Instacart cart that has all the stuff to make the dinner so I mean you still have to cook it but you you know all everything up until that point all the friction gets removed. And I think that's a good example of where I see this going. When you think about the tasks that we have going on in our back offices, our business offices, our HR offices, a lot of really repetitive, mundane kinds of things that could be automated in a way with artificial intelligence to allow our people to work on things that are more important and that require humans. Yeah, yeah, and, and, and I think that's a great example. And, and, and as we close, uh, thinking about our takeaways, uh, especially for boards, you know, thinking about your policies, relying on policies that you currently have, there, there's no need, again, to create a new policy for AI when we have other policies that would fill in those gaps that are necessary. And there might be. I mean, there might come a time when we get to a point and say, okay, our existing policies are covering most of it, mm -hmm. but there's this one piece of it where we need you know, some clarity and that might happen. Yeah. But I think, I think your point's well taken that yeah. rely on what you have. Definitely. And, and of course, AI is not something to be completely afraid of. Uh, and quite frankly, most of us are already using AI today, whether we know it or not. And here's the deal, Mark. Honestly, in K-12 public education in New York state, we have demonstrated a remarkable ability to resist change. So I'm not super worried because we, we to turn the battleship, it takes a while. So, you know, I'm confident that our, our bureaucracy and our inertia will protect us and, and until such time as we're able to really wrap our arms around it. Exactly, exactly. So we're almost out of time, and I'd ask that you thank me, uh, help me thank my guest, uh, Dr. Michael Doherty, from, from our NERIC Assistant Superintendent from the Capital Region, BOSES. Mike, thank you very much. Thank you, Mark. I would also like to thank my NISBA colleagues working behind the scenes, making it possible to bring this podcast to you. Thank you, Megan DiGennaro, Al Marlin, and Alyssa Mayello. My name is Mark Snyder, Senior Leadership Development Manager at the New York State School Boards Association, and this has been a live recording of NISBA's President's Gavel. And this meeting is now adjourned. Want to learn more about today's topic? Additional resources can be found in the show notes for this episode. Have a topic idea? Email us at gavel at nisba.org. And if you find yourself tuning in each month, search NISBA on Facebook or Twitter and show us your support by giving us a like.